does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It's a day back in the saddle for all three of us because Mark Dykton spent the weekend visiting his parents in Chicago, the Chicago area. Kevin, you were with your parents in Florida, mm-hmm. and I went to the Kansas-West Virginia game in Lawrence, which, by the way, one little fun fact about Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, Kansas. Very Hinkle-esque. We sat in the literally the well, I, I said the top row. I think there were two rows behind us. But in each corner of Allen Fieldhouse they have an extra row of essentially bleachers, which is what we were sitting in. So literally sitting on I can't tell you the last time I went to a sporting event to a sporting event and sat on a bench with the seat number painted on it. But in Allen Fieldhouse, only the middle section are seats the rest of the arena no matter how low you go are bleachers really like, like just like hinkle back in yesterday does hinkle have any bleachers still in the upper levels or is it seats all the way through i will find out tomorrow night for you i you think I'm, i think i'm up in those sections yeah tomorrow night um, um taking my nephew to the game but sixteen thousand it seats roughly at allen Fieldhouse. so the the upper level of it is not really that high up i, I mean it's it's a pretty good seat really uh, Butler Marquette tomorrow night over at Hinkle, 6.30 tip. Jake, if you want to talk about the best win on Purdue's resume, it's Marquette. Yes. <laughs> Remember that game early in the year? It was like, you know, it was a Big East, Big Ten, Gavit games or whatever they call them. And, you know, at the time you're thinking Marquette, you know, how good are they going to be this year? Marquette is ranked 10th in the nation. Do they still do... Do you remember how big a deal the RPI used to be? Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, now it's the net, right? Yeah. Gonzaga's not a bad win for Purdue, right? No, I, I mean, Purdue has pl- you know, plenty of fine wins, particularly but you're right. away from home. Uh, the, the Marquette game, at the time, it was like, yeah, okay, so Purdue beat a middling right. Big East. And, I mean, they are... They've had an unbelievable year. I am curious. And again, Indiana still has a ways to go with this. On two home games this week for IU, Iowa tomorrow night... Michigan for Senior Day coming up this weekend. Obviously, the Big Ten tournament to follow. Jake, can we be looking at Indiana on the three line? If Indiana wins the Big Ten tournament, are they on the two? I think Indiana's, if they win the Big Ten tournament, let me rephrase that, Kevin. If they get to the Big Ten tournament title game, because oftentimes, if you recall, the Big Ten tournament title game is the last game to be played. So the result of that often doesn't factor into the the bracket release because they're they're doing it just then. And it's Chicago, right, this year for the men? I think that's yep. right. Mm-hmm. Chicago for the Big Ten tournament. Um, Louisville is that region here in the Midwest. Kansas City, New York, Louisville, and Vegas. Those are the four regions, Sweet 16, Elite Eight. So if you're Purdue, you're looking at Tennessee, I mean a little bit of Indiana. You know, those would kind of be um, – where you're looking as far as where you're going to slot Midwest-wise. Columbus is one of the early 
round sites. Don't think we're going to have to worry about any state schools in the old playing game this year like we had to last year. You know, I'm Indiana, happy that the Notre Dame. I'm happy the folks in Louisville will finally get a chance to watch some good college basketball this year. Good for them, right? <laughs> that was a quality win for Notre Dame earlier this year. <laughs> Beating Louisville. Uh-huh. Now, Notre Dame, will they go to like the I think they they get a, they got a chance to get hot in the ACC tournament. I think they have to win five games in five nights in the ACC tournament. What do they? They got to call up Randolph Childress or somebody to suddenly catch fire for them. Jerry McNamara. Jerry McNamara. Yeah. yeah. It's Devendorf for Syracuse jumping on a scores table. Uh, Joel asks this: Are we sure the Colts' next quarterback will be in the building this week? Uh, Joel, I'd be stunned if the Colts don't draft the quarterback. Stunned with their first round pick. Aaron Rodgers? Would you no, take him? I don't know. I no. Packers suck. I, I Rodgers, great talent. You think he came out of that cave? It's like Indianapolis is calling. I, I need to fill Kevin, in for Matt. You got to commit to the future. You weren't here last week, Kevin, when we talked about this. But it is the. It, it, I, I'm a cynic, and at times my patience probably is not as great as it should be. Um, is the Aaron Rodgers thing just played out, or is it just me? No, I, I think we're approaching that. And, and I, I like Rodgers' talent a lot. I do, too. He's a great player. Um, I was told that him and Danica had a date at a nearby restaurant. You know where Mama Carolla's is? That is it Nicole Taylor's? Is that the pasta place right there at 54th and the Monon? Now, they had this date when? Well, this had been several years ago, Oh, right? I thought you meant, yeah. Uh, Nicole Taylor's. It's like a make-your-own-pasta place right there at 54th. Have you been to the new Breadworks at 54th and the Mona? No, there's a there's another Italian restaurant across from Mama Carolla's. And it, uh, it Diavola? Means, it means devil in Italian. Yeah, I went there. Um, so it's in that strip mall, if you want to call it a strip okay. mall. That Diavola is really good. Yeah, it is good. I uh, see Aaron Rodgers more of a Fazoli's guy. By the way, I, it, when I, I was... Fazoli's <laughs> unlimited breadsticks, unreal. <laughs> when I was leaving Diavola, I dropped my debit I card. Garden right now. And so I dropped my debit card... And my cousin texted me and said, hey, did you just eat at Diavola? I said, yeah, how, how in the world did you know that? And he said, well, my buddy just found your debit card on the floor and texted me. to." T- and so I said, oh, okay. So I turned around. I was th- five minutes later. So I go back in and I said, yeah, apparently I, I dropped my debit card. And the guy says, okay, well, what's it look like? I said, well, it's orange. It's a PNC card. It says Jake Query on it. And he goes... Can you describe it further? I, I mean, how much more description do you need? It's got my name and my you know, like. What what more description do you, you need? Know, but the birth certificate, was, social. Yeah, maybe? I mean, seriously, but the food was great. Was I was that place. person yesterday at Meyer. Rosie and I did a little grocery shopping at Meyer, where I left my wallet in the car. So I'm holding up the line to go out and get. Oh it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Rosie, very confused what we were doing there. I'm like, we're not shoplifting. Uh, yeah, I was that guy. Um, yes, to Joel's question, I believe with a lot of confidence that the Colts' next quarterback is in Indianapolis this week. Again, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Hendon Hooker, they're all here um, for the Combine. Not all of them will be working out. We'll continue to monitor that as the week moves along. But this starts the process, Jake, to where the Colts inch closer to the guys they like, and then you have to sit there and say, what do we need to do to okay. go get said so, player? So that leads to this question, and see if this makes sense the way I ask it. Do you believe that the Colts are going to go into this to find the guy 
that they want to move up to take and and move themselves up in the draft to make sure that they get the first pick? Or do you believe that the Colts are going into this to assure themselves that it is okay if they stay at four and have to in other words, did they go into it saying maybe there is not a clear cut number one, so let's just make sure that we're safe at four? You know, I, I understand the hypotheticals. I think Jake this week is all about you've got to find out more information about all of these quarterbacks. You've got to get to know again, I'll I'll use that cliche, neck up this week. It's your first in-person interaction for Shane Steichen and Chris Bauer with these guys. You can put them up on the whiteboard. You can, you know, whatever, personality test, however you want to handle those 15-minute interviews. But to me, it's more about completing the profile and the prospects. That's what this week is about. And then, Jake, once you get done with this week, now you've got two months, and you're going to throw in a pro day. You're going to throw in some private you know, workouts, private meetings with some of these guys as well. But that's where you get through, okay, do we love him enough to move up? Do we think he's going to be there for? And I will reiterate what I said earlier. A question you've got to ask yourself with the Houston Texans sitting there at two is if you love one of these four, is it worth risking that guy to be in your division for the next decade? Right. That's fair. That's a really good point. I mean, that's part of this process. When you look at Chicago at one, Houston at two, Arizona at three, and Indianapolis at four. And again, Houston has a lot more in what they can offer Chicago from a okay. draft pick standpoint than right. what Indianapolis can. Yeah, that's okay. How about this? Houston is your divisional foe, correct? If you are Indianapolis, Kevin, do you do this? And I'm getting way into like checkers and chess hypotheticals, but it's fun. If you're the Colts, is it possible that you take a long, hard look at it and you say, you know what? There's not a big difference between we got three quarterbacks here that we think are you put them in a blender and they're all pretty close to one another. Is it possible then that it's in Indianapolis's best interest to hear all kinds of chatter and create all kinds of chatter and leak all kinds of stuff that the Colts are actively looking to trade to number one, not because they have any interest in doing so, but because they want to make Houston sacrifice assets to move up one yeah, spot. I mean, that's, yeah, it's very chess to your earlier point. But yeah, that's part of the next couple of months. I mean, if the Colts are smart, what they would do over the next two months is just lie. Just lie. And Ballard. Whoever's the final say, or whoever gets the final word, whether it's Ursay, Ballard, Steichen, whether each of them get three votes, but they would not tell any of their scouts inside that building who they're favoring, any of that. They would simply just lie their asses off over the next two months, and then Ballard can walk into that media room on Thursday night, April 28th, whenever the draft is, and with a southern draw and apologize, and that's the end of that. Kevin? It doesn't matter if the Colts draft 45th. They can lie all they want, and then no matter what happens, I guarantee you, they're going to get the guy they targeted from the get-go, and the board win exactly as they expected. All right? 32 GMs say that around the league come come draft night. There there were times I covered the draft. We couldn't believe I, he was there. Yeah, I mean, it was they could have drafted Farkas. and. Oh in front of them and they would come out and say well, Mike had a hell of an arm I remember the year <laughs> I remember the year that um, they drafted Dallas Clark and Bill Pullian came out and 
said, this is the guy that we tabbed from the beginning. This was our guy. We got our guy. He's going to be – and obviously he was a great pick. And then later in that draft, he was asked, was there any thought that you had about trading up? And he said, we did think earlier about trading up in the draft, but the guy we would have traded up for was taken. <laughs> okay. So this wasn't the original guy that you had in mind. That's cool. That's all about. Mike has been hanging around. I think Mike is an Anthony Richardson fan. Yeah. Uh, what's up, Mike? What's going on, guys? Um, so, I, I don't know. I don't know if y'all watch much Florida football. I, I'm not a big college guy, but uh, around this time of the year, I start watching highlights and I start putting stuff together and trying to get an idea of what what the draft's going to look like. Anthony Richardson's pocket presence and his, especially on his dropbacks, and I agree that he does play in a spread style offense down there in Florida. But the guy's IQ and his pocket presence alone, I think, stands out more than any other quarterback in the draft. Um, so, with that being said, whether anybody else likes him or not, I guess is irrelevant. But what what if the Colts were to trade back to seven, other than the city riding, I know. <laughs> you trade back to seven, you get an additional couple pieces, you know, a couple picks or whatnot. Let these other teams go pay high price for Stroud and Young. And then you can get Richardson. Let's just say at number seven for Vegas. You trade four for seven. You get an additional second this year and next year. I don't know what the pay. You know, I don't know what the price would be. I'm assuming something like that. Now you're getting extra picks to address your offensive line, uh, to address that wide receiver. I mean, what do you guys say to that, Mike? Do you worry at all the guys won six games in his college career? I man, I think I. I don't know, but he's not throwing to all pro. Well, let's just say he's not throwing to Pro Bowl wide receivers like Marvin Jr. Sure, I mean, and that's been Mike. That has been you are correct in that. Will Levis, you know, that's the same thing they've said is he and Levis both. You got to look at who they're throwing to. By the way, Mike, have you called the program before? Oh yeah, yeah, yep. I was gonna say, has anybody ever told you that you maybe I have? I don't know that you sound like Tony Gwynn, the late Tony Gwynn. <laughs> no, <laughs> you even giggle like Tony Gwynn. <laughs> Tony Gwynn, who is like the, the greatest dude ever and lived in Fishers, by the way, during the time he was a San Diego Padre. From now on, when you call in, Mike, can you just call yourself Tony Gwynn, Mike? Is that cool? I, I sure can. Mike, do, <laughs> Mike, do you swing uh, it from the left side of the plate or are you uh, righty? I'm a, I'm a lefty. Uh, are you <laughs> really? Even better. Yeah, and, and, unless I'm shooting a basketball, I shoot right-handed. But I'm well, you know, Tony Gwynn was a point guard, too. There you, there you go. go. Mike, right. <laughs> have a great week, man. Uh, the Anthony Richardson one, Jake, is going to be really, really fascinating. It's the guy with the massive arm and the great legs and accuracy was a, is and was a huge question mark. A lot of people think if you just correct the footwork and he sits for a year, he could be that guy. I The trading back idea, again, I understand where Mike's coming from on that, Jake, but again, this is where my hesitancy will be over the next couple of months and even sitting at four. The the more risks you take in trading back, the more risks that you have in putting other teams above you, you are hoping. You're hoping that that guy falls into your lap. And for me, that position means way too much to hope that. I understand the appeal in attracting more picks. I understand the appeal in wanting to support that guy as best as possible. But for me, if you identify that player, that guy can make up for some other areas. That guy Kevin, can cover up for some other weaknesses. I'm not saying it's going to be Richardson, but there is a long list of quarterback graveyards of guys that were big arm, intriguing talents that all they needed was time, and we're still waiting. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Don Fisher on the call. The IU Basketball Radio Network as Indiana defeats Purdue and gets a sweep. First time, by the way, that Indiana has swept Purdue where the Boilermakers were ranked in both games since 1940. In that year, Purdue, because they were swept despite winning the Big Ten, deferred to Indiana to go to the NCAA tournament where the Hoosiers won their first national championship. By the way, one note in college basketball quickly before we get to Bob Kravitz. Uh, Terry Holland, longtime, uh, in my opinion, legendary coach at the University of Virginia, notably, who led the Cavaliers to two Final Fours. In 1981, they won the last consolation game in Final Four history. And in 1984, they got to the Final Four after defeating Indiana, after Indiana had defeated Michael Jordan's North Carolina team. Uh, Terry Holland passing away this morning. Uh, after a long battle with Alzheimer's, but one of the great coaches of the late 70s and early 80s in college basketball. Uh, Joining us now on the Payless Liggers Hotline, as he does on this program, he is with The Athletic. Bob Kravitz joins us. And Bob, as we just heard Don Fisher describing the action for Indiana in their win, my question to begin for you would be this. Did that game tell us more about where Indiana is, what Indiana is doing right, or problems for Purdue? I think it tells us more about Indiana, to be honest with you. I mean, they've gone, what, uh, since the, that bad stretch, I think they're, what, 10-3 and three now. I think it shows us just how far they've come, how, how much they've grown. Look, Purdue's in a little bit of trouble, but, you know, we, what did we expect from Purdue to start the season? I mean, they were they were picked sixth by the writers. Um, not that that means anything, but um, it, this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. So what Purdue has done is utterly remarkable to uh, get a share of the Big Ten title, and uh, there's no doubt they'll they'll win it uh, for themselves here in the next couple of days. But I think it tells you more about IU and specifically the growth of this team to go on the road, put Shafino to go crazy. And what really impressed me the most was Cop and uh, Galloway both knocking down a couple of three-pointers, both uh, finishing, I think, with 13 points. Uh, that that tells me a lot because this team has not been very good on the road outside of Trace Jackson Davis and, uh, and uh, Race Thompson. You know, Bob, I said earlier, I want your reaction to this, that the more I've watched them, and one game does not a season make. I mean, Jalen Hood-Shafino was spectacular in that game, and we certainly knew coming into the year that that was the kind of talent they expected from him. Maybe not to that level, but you get what I'm saying. But I feel like, and I want your reaction to this, It is Indiana has a much better chance of winning games when Trace Jackson Davis struggles than right. they do when Jalen hood Shafino struggles, quite frankly. Because, uh, you know, we've seen games where Trace Jackson Davis has been spectacular and gets no help and they don't win. But if if, if Jalen hood Shafino is playing like that, then that can be a real catalyst for them and they can ride that for a little bit. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and look, I've said, I've said this for a couple of weeks, even before um, uh, IUB Purdue uh, up at Mackey. I really feel like IU is going to do more damage in the postseason than Purdue. And I've said that for quite a while. The reason being Jalen Jafino. I mean, it's, it's, you get to the tournament, it's all about guard play, and they, got, they have a pro. They have a pro at guard. Uh, I really love what Purdue brings to the table. But those two guys, Smith and, and Lawyer, great freshman guards. They're going to be for years to come. But I don't, I don't see either one of them being potential pros. So, um, you know, the other thing, too, another way to look at it is I, you can win when Trace does next to nothing. Um, but Purdue, if he doesn't go off, they got no chance. Bob Kravitz with us from The Athletic. He was in the building on Saturday night. And you look at Jalen hood Shafino's performance, Bob. I mean, you've seen a lot of great individual performances and just your history of covering sports. For a freshman to do that, a freshman to do that on the road against your biggest rival, Bob, certainly in the history of this series, that has to rank right up there with any other in terms of individual efforts, particularly when Trace Jackson Davis was so quiet. Yeah, exactly. I don't have any historical data to to run by you but all i know is that's uh, that's uh the most points by a freshman since 19 uh, by an iu freshman since 1988 and jay edwards and i know that's more you guys uh uh, era uh i I wonder who jay edwards got those 30 something again minnesota it was at minnesota he had eight threes he was unbelievable in that game, but I figured I figured you would know. Yeah, but winning in the barn is not necessarily like winning against Purdue, who has been ranked number one for the majority of the season right. on the road. And it was it was remarkable because they they kept doubling doubling Trace. They said we're going to take him out of the game, and I thought that Woody did a really smart thing, and they just did high pick and roll over and over and over, and Hood Chafino, he's just so deft. At, at navigating that pick and roll. He doesn't play in a hurry. He's almost casual the way he plays. But he, he, he speeds up when he has to. And I, I just thought he was remarkable. And that drop coverage with, with Edie under the basket taking away Trace Jackson Davis's rim runs, I thought uh, that you know his mid-range game, Hood Shafino's mid-range game, was just incredible. Bob, the name I threw at Jake earlier in the show about Hood Shafino at the next level, and when I hear you describe him, I'm thinking that's exactly how I would describe this guy in the NBA. I do think Hood Shafino can be a little bit more dynamic than this guy, but I sense a little Malcolm Brogdon. A little bit. Again, a little bit more little athletic, bit. but it, you know, yeah. the, when you talk mid range, in control, pace, you know, can you know score at you know, multiple levels, I, I, I kind of get a little Brogdon when I watch him. A little bit. Uh, the guy, you know, I was watching, I, I listened to the broadcast when I'm covering a game, and I, I thought Jim Jackson brought up a good guy. Uh, uh, another another guy, a guy from Gonzaga, Jalen, Jalen Suggs, you know, uh, who's playing with the, with the Orlando Magic now. Uh, same, same type of game. He can beat you from all three levels. Doesn't play in a rush. Um, just, just really under control at all times. And uh, look, you know, I, he hasn't said anything about going pro. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. He's going to be a middle of the first round pick. 
if he goes crazy in the postseason, he, he's just going to keep moving up and moving up. So, you know, enjoy him while you got because it ain't going to last very much longer. Bob, on the other side of things, and I don't mean that, I mean, I don't mean that to say that they're on the other side of the season by any stretch of the imagination, but the other side of that game is Purdue. Mm-hmm. Feels to me like Purdue at the beginning of the year, I actually talked to somebody about this yesterday, that Purdue obviously had an incredible start to the season and has had a phenomenal year. But now that they are starting to see everybody a second time, teams have kind of figured out how to chess match them a little better with Zach Eady, who is virtually unstoppable. But if Lawyer and Smith, and, and for that matter, Mason Gillis have off nights, it's going to be some potentially long nights for Purdue. Does Purdue have issue heading into the end of the year here? I do. I, I think some, I think some teams have figured out if you pressure their guards, uh, you know, the, 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 the full court pressure has been really problematic for them. It wasn't the other night because IU didn't really uh, pressure up court. But, uh, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And, and really the trajectory of this season reminds me so much of last season when they came out like a house on fire. And then they started, you know, uh, it got a little dicey there for a while. And then they, they didn't do anything in the Big Ten tournament. You know, and at the time I thought, well, they're a really good team and they're going to go deep in the NCAA tournament, maybe a little rest. You know, winning the Big Ten tournament, big freaking deal, right? I think this year is a year where they need to win or at least get to the championship game of the Big Ten tournament just to kind of get the get the mojo back, you know, uh, because this has not been the same team uh, in the last six six games that we've We've been watching all season. So I don't think they're doomed, but uh, I see a lot of what I saw last year. And I thought last year they had more talent, honestly. I mean, you, you, you had two pros. I mean, you had Travion, you had Ivy, um, you know, uh, certainly Stefanovic was, was a really nice complimentary player. Um, I don't think they have quite as much talent this year, but, you know, they could surprise us and, and, and go deep. You never know. But, uh, you know, uh, and Matt Painter brought this up the other day. He was trying to make the point, don't panic. Well, uh, Carson Edwards, the year they got to the uh, Elite Eight, Carson Edwards was shooting, was in a terrible slump late in the season. He was shooting like 28% from three and then went nuts in the postseason. So, you know, good shooters find it eventually. Maybe Purdue will. Maybe somebody will have that kind of performance. But uh, I, I really do think IU is, is going to be the team that we're going to be watching later in March than Purdue. Yeah, I've always said this about Purdue. You keep on getting shots at the dartboard. I think eventually you are going to break through. You just never know when that year is going to be, when the bracket falls your way, or you, like you said, Bob, a guy gets hot come tournament time. Last one from me, Bob, on the IU-Purdue front before we shift gears. Um, the reintegration of Xavier Johnson, it yeah. seems like that could happen somewhat soon. Mike Woodson you know, maybe isn't ready to commit to that just yet. Two home games this week to close out the regular season and then the Big Ten tournament. How do you view, and I think it's a fair word to use, the volatility, good or bad, of the return of Xavier Xavier Johnson? Well, I think it's pretty clear that Huchifino is, uh, I mean, this is Wally Pip, Pip land, you know, for, for those of us old enough to remember that reference. Um, Huchifino is the point guard. And to me, Xavier Johnson, 
they got to work him back really slowly. He's got to come in off the bench. Uh, I, I just, again, you brought up the word volatility. I I like what they've got right now. They're ten and three in their last thirteen. Huchafino's playing playing out of his mind. Uh, there is no way I'm screwing with that uh, w- w- with the with the chemistry that they have right now. So I would think you bring him back really slow and you bring him in off the bench. The other thing too. I- Xavier Johnson's a really talented guy, but he is a streaky guy, Bob. And right. it almost feels like – I don't know how you say this to a guy, but, hey, listen, we're going to put you in there, but if you miss your first four shots, you're coming right back out. And that's unfair to say because some guys need a minute to get rhythm. But um, he's he has John Stark's tendencies. You know what I mean? Lightning yeah. in a bottle or one for 18. And it's going to be it's going to be a real challenge for him because because of that. Because he, he's not been a bench guy, how will he react to that? Uh, he's basically lost his job. I mean, you're not going to change this lineup. This is this lineup is working. So you bring him in off the bench. You hope for a little bit of instant offense. Uh, you get him in those those pick and rolls, uh, which were so effective late last season. But it's going to be a very difficult transition for Xavier. Okay, Bob Kravitz with us from The Athletic. The NFL Combine is here this week. Bob, will hear from Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard coming up on Wednesday. I believe it's the first time, uh, at least I, I don't know if uh, the guys had you on late last week, that we've talked since the Shane Steichen hire. Just your overall thoughts on that. I know you were able to catch up with Norv Turner, a guy that we're going to have on tomorrow. So thank you for that uh, sure. that contact. Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, look, I, I think Steichen was the best uh, candidate. The, the more... You know, the more I've looked into his his background, the fact that he's been successful with several different styles of quarterback, from uh, you know Rivers who doesn't move to Herbert who moves you know when he needs to to Jalen Hurts who plays a completely different style of football, that is really impressive. The only thing that gives me pause, and it would give me pause with any coach, is a first year guy calling the plays. Because you saw what happened in Philadelphia when Sirianni gave up the, the, the play calling in his first year. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Brian Dable did the same thing with the Giants, uh, giving up the. the I, I could be wrong, but. No, I, yeah, I, Dable, Dable gave up play calling, yep. Okay, I'm correct for a change. Um, so, you know, that gives me a little pause because I, I, like, I like my head coaches to see the macro view of things. You know, and um, you know he's you know he's going to call the plays, and that's fine. But let's see how things go from a game management standpoint. I thought at times that Frank Reich was so caught up in the next play that he lost sight of the bigger picture. So that that to me gives me pause. But I, I do think that Shane Steichen is is a terrific candidate, and I think he's just fine here. Bob, do you think? Do you think the Colts – Bob Kravitz is our guest. He's on the Payless Sugars hotline. Do you think the Colts are going into the combine with a specific quarterback in mind that they are honing in on? Or do you think they're going in saying, look, there are four or five guys here and, and we're simply going to give a fair car wash run through on all of them and then make a determination? Well, I, I look, you know they've been scouting for a long time. Uh, I think they probably have an idea of who they like. I mean, they've been watching plenty of plenty of film and 
know what, what these guys are about. I think that the combine will serve to maybe confirm some of the biases they may, they may have, or it may send them in the other direction. Um, my sense is that Bryce Young is the guy, and my sense is that they're going to go up and get him. But, um, you know, and, and and who knows what these guys are going to do at the combine, whether they're going to, you know, w- w- some guys don't even bother throwing, so it's hard to tell. But, you know, you do the speed dating thing, you do the interviews. Uh, I think they have an idea in their head, but I think they're going to go in with as open a mind as possible and maybe uh, some of their you know, some of their thoughts on players will be confirmed or, or go the other way. Maybe they'll, you know, reach out to somebody and say, you know, there's nothing there. I, I know there are some quarterbacks that, uh, that they liked in previous years and they met them and thought, man, there's nothing there. So, um, so I, I, think, I think it'll be useful, but I think they have their eye on somebody. Bob, last one from me, and it's a bit unfair that I even ask you the question just because I don't think we know the full story, and to be totally honest, I don't know how much you've been following along, but I assume you have seen a little bit of the Brandon Miller, Alabama situation. Disgusting. Do you think, um, if you were Kevin Pritchard, uh, would he be off your draft board based off what you know? No, no, not not until there's a final final adjudication. On it, uh, clearly, him and his coaches, uh, specifically Nate Oates, are a little tone deaf. I think we can say that based on Oates' initial comments. Wrong place, wrong time. It was a little more concerning than that, and that the whole pat down thing that they do. I mean, at some point, an adult has to show, has to show up and say, "No, this is probably not a real sweet idea," but. Look, you know, you, you look at the thing that happened at Texas with Beard. Um, you know, he gets fired um, because he's, he, he's charged with domestic violence. The charges get dropped. Now they don't have a, you know, and now he's, he's out the door. Uh, no. I, now, if, if something happens and it turns out he was deeply involved, yeah, then he's off the board. But, um, you know, to me, you, you at this point have got to see the way the thing is adjudicated and then you make a make a decision you know it's i heard somebody say bob or i read somewhere that these allegations i guess is the wrong word with with brandon miller at alabama because he has not been as you mentioned charged with anything but right that it could cost him being drafted in the top five because teams may look if they're drafting in the top five and find the top five talent players to be kind of interchangeable and therefore they can still get a player of equal caliber without the PR headache but then once you start getting into the six to ten there is such a drop off in this year's draft that teams like around six seven eight are going to go um <laughs> we can maybe uh we'll, we'll handle the heat from the press conference you know what I mean but right to me Oates is the one to me who, who i have have had a lot of respect for him from an X's and O's standpoint and what he's done at Alabama, but man, that guy has completely dropped the ball the last two or three weeks. Oh no, there's no question. But as far as his draft status, honest to God, if a guy can play, they'll find they'll they'll they can justify anything. If a guy can play, I don't care if you're Benito Mussolini. If if you got a good handle, they're gonna they're gonna find you and they're gonna draft you. So. Uh, 
and there's your first Benito Mussolini mm-hmm. reference of, of show history, probably. So, um, no, I, 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 I think he's still going to go top five, unless, again, it turns out this thing is a lot more serious than, than we may initially think. Yeah, did not have Benito Mussolini on the bingo card here on this Monday morning. So. Speak for yourself. Yeah, appreciate that, Bob. Uh, Bob, we'll see you uh, Wednesday over at the Combine. And again, latest up on the athletic recap in IU-Purdue from Saturday night. Thanks, Bob. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, we had him on. After the last victory over Purdue, we've got him on again. He was pretty darn important for the Hoosiers on Saturday night. He is Miller Cop. He joins us now. Miller, the most important thing Jake and I are worried about on this Monday, um, has Ivy been outside yet in this weather? She's been outside. Got a, got a uh, number one and number two, so I'm Ooh. feeling pretty good about myself. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it's How good. about that? Good you know, they have a clean today. sweep of Purdue and Ivy with That's a clean right. sweep Ivy on this the Monday dog, morning. Ivy the dog, by the way. Um, <laughs> hey, Miller, I want to begin with this. and, and you know, we, We've talked all morning about how I, I think you and, and – Trey Galloway both were very important for Indiana on Saturday on the arc. But let's be real, you know, that was a Jalen hood Shafino performance for the ages, the second highest point total for a freshman in IU history. Did you have, and we've known of his talent. I mean, that was not a secret, right? But was there a point that you can shed light for us before the game, whether it be in warm-ups, whatever else, like at what point did you realize or maybe see a look in him of, okay, it is all coming together for him tonight and this is going to be his night? Um, you know, I, I didn't know. I, I mean, obviously, I can't. If I knew that's what, you know, would have happened, I would have been like, all right, dude, just I told everybody on the team, man, just don't talk to him, just let him do his thing. <laughs> and, uh, but no, he, um, you know, you kind of just saw it to start the game. He was real locked in with um, and super aggressive in terms of, you know, offense and having the ball and making reads and stuff. And, you know, they play drop coverage with their big. So, you know, we, you know, he, I think, you know, he feels really comfortable in that coverage. And, and uh, you know, he, it gives him a little space to uh, you know, have some freedom with the ball and create. So he just did, he did his thing and they gave, it gave him a little, and he took a lot. After the game, after the game, Trace Jackson Davis had commented that at, at at one point, Mike Woodson, your coach, had designed some things to try to get Trace Jackson Davis a little more involved. And Trace Jackson Davis said, "No, wait a minute, man. 
like he he's got it rolling so let's just keep going to that and that that you know they so they they went ahead and stayed with that now assuming that that is indeed what happened is that more impressive of the leadership of Trace Jackson Davis to speak up or of Mike Woodson to follow that lead well uh I, mean, I think both um you know I think cuz you know coach Woody just has you know his intentions are pure because he wants to get you know our best player going. Um, you know, but Trace is, is not is not about himself to where uh, he's worried about points. I mean, I bet you know he would tell you is like he'd score zero points if if it meant us win every game. Like it just is it's just who he is. I mean, um, so it just it just shows that, that he he wants to win so so much and. Um, and uh, even going into halftime, you know, he was just encouraging everybody and, and not like, obviously not, you know, in himself and, and thinking about himself. It's Miller Cop, 13 points, three threes, some big time, big time moments for Indiana on Saturday. He joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bill, I want to go back to Jalen Hood Shafino for just a second. You guys obviously return a whole lot from last season. Um, you know, he was a pretty heralded recruit coming in along with Malik Renew. I guess maybe it was a workout, maybe it was, you know, an open gym session. When do you recall like playing with or seeing Jalen Hood Shafino and thinking, oh man, this dude brings a different element to something that can maybe push us over the top and and making a run into March? Well, was, I think it was early in the summer. He just kind of, uh, I think it was pickup, and uh, you just saw kind of how he got to his spots and just you know took his shots and was confident in his game. Uh, you saw uh, you know his ability just to to make reads out of pick and roll and, and how comfortable he was with the ball and, and at his size, which is uh, you know pretty pretty wild. So it was early in the summer. And um, I remember just just thinking, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be pretty good. Miller Cop with us here, Miller. We've talked to you before. You know, you've told us that you know based off how long you've been in college, certainly you are not on campus in person in a lot of classes right now. So I am interested. Like, what is Indiana week like, or excuse me, Purdue week like for you? Like, do you get a feel on campus? Do you get a sense at all of like? what this rivalry maybe means to the student body or to the fan base and realizing that, you know, this is one that a whole lot of people circle on the calendar more than the others. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I uh, you know, just being in, and, uh, you know, in Bloomington just going to eat, you know, and, and, and spending time with my family and, uh, you know, down there at their hotel and stuff, you know, in downtown Bloomington, I can, you know, obviously see, that it's it's uh it's special. I mean, it means so much, and um, you know, even just you know being down in West Lafayette, just like seeing the couple Hoosier fans, you know, at the hotel, whether they're not going to the game, but they're you know going to watch it at a bar or whatever it may be. You know, seeing those uh, you know those colors, you know, in a, in a you know sea of black and gold is is pretty is pretty special and pretty amazing, and so uh, it uh it it, it is 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 a good feeling knowing that we we uh you know it means a lot to us and it means a lot to other people as well so i thought you over the course of the year miller miller cop is our guest it, it it seems to me like at times 
you're unselfish on the floor in the fact of making an extra pass when there are shots there for you from the three-point standpoint in particular. Um, and another guy that now seemingly is more comfortable with his shot from the outside on the other side of that is Trey Galloway, where things have really come together for him. Can you touch on a little bit how much schematically are designed for you guys to take advantage of those looks, or is it designed to continue to move the ball around and try to get into better operating areas down low? Uh, well, I think, you know, first off, Trey's been shooting the crap out of the ball, and, uh, you know, he worked a bunch, a bunch, a bunch this summer, um, you know, and, and preseason and whatnot with his shot and, and, and his you know, shooting it really well. He's just shooting a good ball right now. And, and um, you know, all props to him because, man, I love to see it. But um, he, uh, you know, for us, it's just about, you know, making the right pass and making the right play because it's contagious. Um, you know, there's, uh, I forget, it may have been Jay Wright, but it's always stuck with me. You know, I think he said, you know, there's, you know, he thinks of a pass as like a shot as like you could get a good one or get a better one, or get the best one. And so, um, you know, sometimes it's about giving up yourself and, and, and giving a better or best shot to somebody else. And so, you know, I have confidence in Trey. Everybody has confidence in Trey, and, and everybody on the team, um, you know, believes in each guy and, and their ability. So it just comes down to trust and, and uh, you know, playing unselfish because it's contagious. Aside from you, of course, who's the most confident player on your team? Yeah, and you can uh, – you know what, Miller? And You tell me if you agree with this. No hesitation in that answer. Well, and, and here's the thing. I, my guess would be that there's no greater evidence of that than the comfort in himself of being able to say, look, you don't need to go through me, coach. I, you know, Huchifino's hot. Let's just go with that. Like, he doesn't have to be the guy because everybody knows he's the guy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, he, he – uh um, uh, he, he knows what he can do and he knows his abilities and he knows eventually I mean when a guy you know didn't have his best game but still ended with like 10 points and you know in a short amount of time so it's like the, I mean he, he's somebody who can who you have to be on his like butt the whole entire game every second of the game so um, yeah it definitely does that said Trace Miller, last one for, from me, um, and if you don't want to talk about it, I totally understand, but I thought how you handled the Northwestern experience a couple weeks ago was beyond admirable. Jake and I have accomplished nothing in our lives, so no one would ever um, you know, chant the things that they chanted at you, but obviously it means that you have accomplished something in your life. Um, what was that experience like for you? Um, again, I, I, it's so foreign to me. I, I don't even know how I would react to it, but I, I'm just curious if you don't mind sharing what that was like. Uh, well, you know, it was, it, it was tough because, you know, first off, you know, I spend three years there, you know, as a, you know, freshman, sophomore, and junior. And I, you know, feel like you guys know, you know, whether you played it in, in basketball in college or not, or sport in college or not, in your first three, three years of college are very transformative. You know, you 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 come straight from high school into college and, and thrown into the fire. And um, you know, I gave that place for three years my all. I gave it everything I had and, and had the ups and the downs. And you know, I've, I've slept in that gym at night, so it's like for the last time 
uh, you know, for me to be in there. That's how how it went. It was a it was a bummer, but you know, at the same time, you know, I've got a great support system, um, you know, in me and 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 a great faith because knowing that you know it's it, it all at the end of the day is is temporary, and um, you know, the game is is going to end and and you know all that stuff, and so you know, not getting too wrapped up into it, but. You know, after that game, I was not happy, man. I didn't talk for, you know, all day, I feel like. And, and um, you know, but it, it led me to feel like I'm invincible on the court because, you know, I went through that, which is, you know, um, um, you know, something that, you know, I hope nobody has to go through. But at the same time, I felt like at Michigan State, I got chance too from, from the whole crowd. And so it, it didn't feel like, you know, uh, anything at all. So really, at the end of the day, you know, looking back on it, it made me a lot stronger, and I feel, you know, invincible out there on the court because of it. Yeah, you had a bad game on the road. You come home, Ivy doesn't care, right? Ivy's cool. Oh, yeah. No way. <laughs> hey, Ivy's just trying to go one and two on this <laughs> Monday right. morning, right? Ivy's exactly. cool with it, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Miller, great work on Saturday night, man. It's been uh, pretty special to see how you guys have turned this around. Uh, since the uh, early part of the new year and uh, set yourself up for a potentially a big-time run. So enjoy these home games to close out the regular season. Good luck in the Big Ten tournament, and hopefully we can catch up with you before the season's over. Thank you so much. appreciate you guys.